0: Welcome to the 15-Minute Juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy.
1: welcome to another episode of the 15 minute juice the first one of 2024 um it's been a bit since we've done some of these but we are committed to getting back into uh, to, uh into a stride here uh going into 2024 we've had some crazy stuff going on between you know both Uh, Me down here in Florida, you up there in PA with the with the new clinic going. Um, So it's just been, you know, one one thing after the other. But uh, we've been texting back and forth. But this is really the first time we've actually had (laughs) to spend some time, you know, uh, on screen. We actually talked for probably 20, 30 minutes before we even jumped on here today. So uh, welcome back there,
0: Michael. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, we've been working on a lot of other projects and uh, just accumulating content for the podcast for this year. So it's a good opportunity to be able to answer a lot of these questions we're seeing in the uh, Facebook groups. Um, some of the things that are coming up in the clinic and then um, yeah, able we'll to have our full form stuff going. We got a bunch of guests lined up to talk about some some really good stuff.
1: Yeah, we do. We actually if we can get these uh, lined up, we have. We have two that I think are going to, you know, two that are returning. Uh, another one that I have, um, if we can get her on, I don't even want to say it yet. I don't want to jinx it because we've we I've had her twice lined up, and then something happened, so I don't I don't want to jinx it. But uh, she would be really good for the female athletes that we have listened to the uh, to the podcast. So um, remember, we have the fifteen minute juice, which is what Mike and I are doing now, where I'm just basically throwing questions at him that we see on the pages or, you know, a parent will reach out to us, or this is a case study, you know, that, that, that kind of happened and we're not using anybody's names. um, But we are, you know, trying to get this information out to it's, it's like being in in class and like you raise your hand and somebody else is raising her hand and they asked the question that, that, that you wanted to ask. And you're like, Oh, thank God. I didn't have to ask that question. So now we're basically doing that. There's somebody who is asking that question. And now what we're doing is uh, we're going to have you answer it in the best professional manner that you can. So I'm going to fire away with question number one. Um, My son is a freshman, tore his ACL and meniscus. It was a bucket tear. It was in a football game. October 31st uh, was the surgery. Uh, It was a quad graft. All went great. Uh, he started into PT. Uh, he can't get full extension. He can't get it straight, and his foot seems to turn out more than it did before. And then, uh, the 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 mom goes on to ask, "Has anyone else experienced this? Uh, please share and and help." So, what we have is an an ACL, um, uh, and a meniscus with a bucket tear. And she's talking about. The, I would assume that she's saying that that foot is moving on the same side as as the as the uh, the surgical leg. So, kind of break that down for us, Mike.
0: Yeah. So I think the interesting thing with these questions is, um, you know, you have people that aren't really aware of the human body, and they get these injuries that happen, and uh, the way they interpret things um, sometimes could be just something very simple that because they're not used to the mechanics of the human body, it might seem like alarming to them. Uh, I will notice that you know, when when someone doesn't like that feeling of that leg extension to get that stretch, having the leg perfectly straight, like when we push on it, we stretch it, well, what do you do? You kind of turn your leg out a little bit because then it makes it easier to kind of bend it you know, that pressure under your heel and, and the rest of your thigh to stretch the back of the leg. So you rotate the leg, get a little extra internal rotation because then you kind of bend it a little bit. So maybe the mom is seeing the kid just holding the leg like that also, you know, um, it doesn't say which meniscus, um, I mean, uh, but you know, if there's, you know, if, it, if it's medial or, you know, on the inside, maybe, you know, trying to turn the leg to take a little stress off the inside of that knee, you know, maybe this is just some kind of like, uh, avoidance, uh, pain avoidance type, just posturing, um, but you know, not getting the leg, you know, full extension. Uh, I mean, that that's part of the rehab after the surgery. That's like the number one thing we try to get right away. So that's kind of part of the process. But if uh, that is, you know, feeling stiff or there there's a tough time getting it to move, whether there's a lot of excessive pain, more than normal excessive guarding, or like a, a stiffer end feel, and that they're stretching it. I would definitely, you know, be in contact with the surgeon because maybe, you know, there's some adhesions or excessive scar tissue and you might have to go in and do a adhesion lysis or, you know, there's always, there's always the, you know, I'm looking over at the cyclops where lesion, where there's a uh, scar tissue forming around that ACL. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes these things happen and you have to go in and kind of clean it out. Um, just some people heal a little bit more aggressively. So that scar tissue is more aggressive. So, uh, if the therapy is not as aggressive in the beginning to get that, then uh, the aggressiveness of the, the healing kind of outweighs the aggressiveness of the stretching. So that curve increases, which causes the knee to get a little stiff. Um, or uh, maybe, you know, you have the the athlete, the patient doesn't like the knee to be stretched or they're avoiding it. So not being aggressive with it enough. Um, these are all things you kind of have to monitor. So we know that the surgeons that we network with Joe, they are aggressive on that um because they know that once you get past it and you get over that pain hump and the leg is straight like it's it's done with it's over with like you get the extension and then you're back to your normal mechanics and and moving and that's the hardest part of the of the rehab is just that the pain of the stretching once your knee gets that range back uh everything else is just working on learning how to move and and you know do all the other stuff but uh a lot of people aren't used to having to stretch their knees straight you know, it's just not, so, it's just something that our body naturally does. We're used to stretching like our heel to butt, like a quad stretch. Um, so that, that, you know, terminal knee extension stretch could be kind of just uh very, uh, different for people. So they're not used to it. So they don't like it. So it made me want to try to avoid it.
1: Gotcha. Um, like a little bit of a technical difficulty on my end, I can hear you, but it keeps fading in and out. So, um, But we're talking about the the full leg extension. Now, I don't know, I don't have the date of when this was actually asked. So, you know, where we are now is probably a little further out than that, um, when she posted, because she said the surgery was October 31st. So, um, he started PT last week. So it doesn't sound like this was too far along. So like you said, the full extension, that's not going to be there
0: that early on. Right. I mean, you know, I've been noticing that some people present very differently. Some come out and that extension goes, it goes right down right away. And then there's some that are just, just stiffer. It's like almost that last five degrees it will go, but it's a little bit, there's a little bit more tone there. And then there's some people where you just push on it and it just goes easily. But then like the flexion might be a little tighter. So everyone almost kind of has one motion that moves a little bit more than the other. Um, And again, there's some people that are just tight both ways. So um, everyone's a little bit different. um, So you never know, but you know, uh, someone's coming in and that knee is bent at like 10 degrees all the time and it's not improving. Or even which is a solid five degree with a, a tough end feel, you know that's usually a red flag. Okay.
1: What um what are you looking for as far as the extension number? I I know that there's you know kids that are hypermobile could probably get up to like what minus ten.
0: Yeah, some some get a lot of hypermobility. Probably even you know negative eight, something like that. See. Uh, you know, you could really put the leg just down on the table and just lift the heel up, and you'll see it'll it'll go. Right. Um, <clears throat> is that uh,
1: typically it, seen in 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 someone who is hypermobile before the surgery? Then they come back and they they pretty much get that that extension back right away.
0: Yeah, maybe. I think some people, you know, a little bit more hypermobile um, might get that, but I've seen some that had the hypermobility on the one side, and obviously the surgical side is a little bit stiffer you know, from the tone and the swelling and the scarring, but uh, we try to get the knee compared to the other side, same hyperextension range.
1: Now, how how is the treatment different here? Because uh, A, there was the bucket tear, and then B was the quad graft. So with the bucket tear and the meniscus, so I would assume that they're in the brace, probably locked for, what, six weeks?
0: Yeah, I mean, it says here, so, yeah, so you have both of those. Um, yeah, with the meniscus, they're usually limited to the flexion uh, to 90 for about four weeks. Sometimes a little bit more conservative if the surgeon feels that they need to do a lot of repair um, or maybe some of the way the natural angle of them, if they're more of a genuine, like, uh, valgus where it almost kind of, like, um, knock-kneed, something that might put more pressure on that, uh, be a little bit more uh, conservative with how they progress just because of natural stresses that might be on that repair. The surgeon will usually let the therapist know, but it's usually around that like four week mark to 90. And then um, they're gonna be non-weight bearing for about six weeks. And then, uh, you know, with the quad graft, that's kind of um, the same thing, you know, You're, you're limiting that range of motion, so that tissue extensibility in the quad, and then past that, eventually you'll start bending it. So it's a good time to start just kind of optimizing uh, tissue extensibility, soft tissue work, things like that, to get stuff loose, get the quad firing. So when they are ready to weight bear and start progressing that range of motion as well, uh, the the body's ready to handle it. So, um, yeah, it's always tough when there's something like that meniscus because there's this waiting game window. Right, so you
1: can't really... You can't really push into extension that early on with the meniscus, especially with a bucket tear, right? Because with that, there's stitches
0: in there. Well, you can, you could do that. I mean, we're not cranking on this thing day one, but it's a, it's a process of gradual stretching and doing it. And then and there's also other things that we'll do in terms of like managing the swelling, soft tissue work, muscle activation techniques, things to help the muscles bring the joint to the range. So it's not like we're just cranking on this thing every day all hard, but it's there's pressure and then there's other techniques involved to help it. So it's a cumulative approach of things that the therapist and the patient are doing in the clinic and at home to achieve that range.
1: Gotcha. Now with the quad graph there, so she talks about him not being able to get the full extension, but there's no mention of the flexion there. So with the quad with the quad graft, are we, are we trying to get someone into flexion right away? How does, how does the, what does that look like? Cause you, like you said, you're playing that waiting game with the meniscus bucket tear.
0: Yeah. I mean, usually you have until that like four week mark to try to get to 90. So if they're not at 90 by that four week mark um, that I would say they're behind. That's usually a good cutoff. So again, it's a gradual process. So if they come in and you bend them up and it's like, they're almost, you come in and say that first week of surgery and they're easily getting to like 80 or something, or even like 65 initially. And they get confident and they start doing some active stuff, like heel slides or some Swiss ball stuff. And you all of a sudden you measure it and it's like, it goes to 85, you know, you're seeing that it, it's moving. It's nice, but they're like really stiff and painful, you know, guarding. Then you just go a little bit more you know, gradual and teasing that and seeing if is it just a fear avoidance thing or is the joint really stiff? So you got to kind of push on it a little bit. But you want to try to get that thing moving. So again, it's a gradual process um, weekly.
1: Now, are you digging in on that scar with some uh, with some instrument assist?
0: Yeah, so when they usually come in, there's steri strips on there um, or the stitches are still in. So I work around it. And we do whatever tissue work around there. Uh, we have been issuing out uh, reparel sleeves, so that'll be another option that we're going to bring on for a podcast for them to talk about it. It is a sleeve that has these uh, like heat-activated um, fibers in it that all help to uh, reduce the swelling and help for uh, cell tissue healing, which is, I know it sounds wild, but apparently the studies and the data they're getting on it is very, very good, and they're seeing changes in the, uh, the tissue quality and the cell activity. And from the patients I've given it to for multiple body parts, knee, ankle, um, they're all saying it makes them feel a lot better controls the swelling. So there's things like that, you know, there's the BFR we use. Um, there's other taping techniques you could use with the rock tape, just even around it. Uh, but once the Steri-strips come off and the scars is fully, um, the incision is fully healed and there's no areas of uh, it being open and the stitches are out, then we definitely start working on that scar and get taping on that to get that tissue to be compliant. Gotcha.
1: Now, forgive me, because like I said, I was trying to fix my, my audio there a little bit. Um, I don't know. Did you address uh, why the foot would be going out? And would that yeah. be, would that be from the certain, now she's saying that it's going out more than it did before. Um, obviously, I've seen that um, with a lot of the athletes that come to me and it seems to get passed through physical therapy. You know uh, I'll say where I actually see it more is in the opposite foot. Like I'll see something in the opposite foot of the, of the injured knee. Right. Uh, But she's saying it's the same side, but you're from what I thought I heard was that when you go to put that into full extension, you get some, external rotation of the femur and that's why the foot goes out
0: yeah sounds like it's posturing to try to avoid that full extension uh sensation of having the heel propped against the table and the pressure of that into your upper thigh to get that extension so it's very easy to turn the leg out to just bend a little bit and avoid that full stretch it's like a posturing to kind of avoid it um same thing you know with ankles people if the ankle is tight and they don't want to bend over the ankle they turn the foot out because it's easier to walk over that it's just compensatory movements gotcha so you think that that's probably where that where that's coming from there yeah it could be something as simple as that you know but again someone is not really familiar with the human body or this whole process they just see these things and they look weird to them but you know if someone you know physical therapist or you know, uh, a strength coach or anybody that's familiar with movement, you just look at these things and you're like, "All right, you know, this is what's going on."
1: Now, um, just to kind of finish up with this, going back, she said he's a freshman and he plays football. Um, I know this will be a this could be a whole different podcast in itself, but just real quick because we have about three minutes or so. Um, what would you say as a freshman with an ACL and a meniscus bucket tear. What would you say recovery time should be for him playing a, playing a sport like that? Now remember, this is October thirty first, so you're probably going to rain on somebody's parade when you tell them, you know that that this gentleman or this young boy should probably not be coming back till October of next year. Which means, right, that's what we don't want to hear because two days start in July. Then you have August, you know, then obviously the end of August, the season starts going into your sophomore year. Now we're starting to talk about recruiting. How would you kind of I'm kind of just playing this scenario out because it's not like it hasn't happened to us before. Right. So how would how would you approach this this parent and the athlete coming in? If you can kind of sum that up in
0: like three minutes. Well, we know we know a year mark is a year mark for a reason because we keep getting data and you see the stats. The retail rate is higher than the original tear rate. So again, the retail rate is higher than the original tear rate, which means the return to sport process is failing. It's not working. You know, you're having something done and then it's it's happening again on your process back. And it's because kids are going back or athletes in general going back too early. They're not ready. There's a lot of steps that need to happen with it. Um, There's also a lot of maturation that takes place in that. And these are things that uh, we bring the surgeons on to talk about it. The sensory fibers in the ACL do not fully mature and do not fully give feedback to awareness of where the knee is in place till about the year mark. There's just a lot that happens within that graph. Now they are trying to come up with more techniques and, you know, we have podcasts on this about our surgeons talking about this With and we'll be bringing some on to talk about some more of the future techniques in terms of, of additive type structures that they put around the, the graph to help make it stronger, vascularize it, um, other styles of ACL repair. You know, we brought on, we talked about the bare ACL they're trying to explore other ways to um, shorten the, the time frame, And then again, with that being said, there's still the neuromuscular control and, that is required. So what do you look like in the shapes and positions? It doesn't matter just how strong your quad is when you sit and you kick your leg out against the machine. What do you look like when you have to laterally lunge, land on one leg, jump and do that? And then you do that lots of reps. You do that when you're fatigued. You do that when you're fatigued, lots of reps, and there's distractions. And then you do that non-contact. So wearing all your your pads, the weight of a helmet, the weight of the pads, carrying a ball. Then you got to do that on a field. And then you do that, you know, trying to run a play and trying to memorize all these things. And then you do it with contact. You know, there's all these steps you have to go to. And you could look at the NFL and look at how many quarterbacks are out for the season. Look at how many went back way too soon. We could talk about that in another podcast, but – A lot of quarterbacks were rushed back, and you saw it. They missed their season, you know, Uh, and that's a whole other issue within itself, you know. Yeah, I definitely uh,
1: have that. definitely a couple podcasts that we can do. Um, I I made a post just recently about Real Madrid, and, you know, you got three guys on one of the, the top teams in all of the world. They have the top facilities. How is that happening? Why is it happening? Uh, just, you know, not not to get too far off the topic there, but uh, to me, it's just probably too many games they're playing. I I mean, Mm -hmm. at that level, it just has to be they're just playing too many games. But anyway, that's another podcast for another day. Uh, I'm glad we got these questions answered on here. Uh, Like we said, we're going to be more diligent about getting more of these out. So that is your 15-minute juice for the night. So thank you, everybody. Mike, thanks again for your time.
0: Till next time.
1: You got it. See you, buddy.